You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good to see you guys this morning. Good to be with you this morning. I have the privilege of starting a new thing that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, um, kind of during the summer, and it's the book of Acts. And the term or the word that we've chosen to summarize what we're going to be talking about is the idea of page turner. If you're a reader, you connect with that. So if you're a movie watcher, I'm not sure how to make you feel good about that. Does anyone do summer reading? Anyone have books you like reading during the summer when you're not forced to read textbooks and stuff? Uh, A page turner is a story that you can't put down uh, because it just is riveting and keeps your attention. And the book of Acts is kind of like that. So we figured uh, it would be a good thing to describe the unique, the changing, the exciting, the intense story of the book of Acts that we're going to be looking at. It's the story of the church coming to life. It's the story of people who had decided to follow Jesus, who had their lives transformed, awakening to what God wanted to do in and through them. So it is a story of waking up. And uh, I'm in student ministry. I I talk to students a lot. Um, And and when I think of summer, I still, because I'm in student ministry, and, and, and maybe you adults just, maybe you can't remember, maybe this is not a thing for you, but... Sleeping in is a thing for students in the summer. I don't know how many of you look back and remember the summer getting off of school and you're like, man, I don't have to get up super early for school. Now, some of you parents may be having to drive kids in earlier than you'd have to get up, so maybe summer's even good for you. So I don't know when you get to sleep in, if there's a day of the week that you get to sleep in, but at least everyone in here can relish the idea of sleeping in at some point, even if it's one day a week. And so this idea, and and I talk about this a lot, I heard Thor uh, referencing this during a message at Nexus uh, recently, Uh, something I think about is this idea of how we get up in the morning. And I was thinking about awakening, and I was thinking about sleeping in, and I was thinking about the fact that I hate to wake up to anything artificial. I hate the sound of alarms. You remember when there was only one choice for an alarm back in the day? You had like beep, 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 or beep, beep, beep. Not until the era of like the cell phone did you get to choose like a song or something gentle like birds tweeting or something like that. So for you, I think there's a generation or several generations that are scarred by the harsh sounds of a cheap alarm clock that sat on the edge of a bed. Now, some of us need that. How many guys need something harsh to get up in the morning? Because it's not happening. Um, I hate waking up to those unnatural sounds. And, you know, there's this whole thing that kind of happens. You meet people and you go to college and you're forced to be in a room with someone who maybe has a different wake-up scenario than you. And I remember I had, you know, several roommates in college and I didn't really appreciate the way a lot of them chose to give up, get up. Some people, they're such hard sleepers, they have to put their alarm clock across the room, thinking that it'll wake them up. And usually for that type of person, it doesn't. Who does it wake up? Everyone around them. I don't need the alarm clock across the room. So I knew guys that would have different alarm clocks set up in different places in the room, and they would all go off in like a sequence just so they could get up in the morning. That's just torture. And then I've never understood this, and and some of you guys, uh, you you can tell me who you are, identify yourselves in in a moment. I have never since I've been alive understood why the snooze button was invented. I just don't understand why. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you invent that to do to someone else? To hit a snooze button and, and, and torture yourself for, I don't know, however long. Some of you guys probably hit a snooze button for like an hour. 
save yourselves the ag. That's got to do something. The cumulative effect of snoozing over a lifetime. It has to take years off your life. It has to. I've never understood the kid. Just wake up when the, when the first one goes off. Set it for when you want to get up. How many guys are snoozers? Oh, I just, I just, I just, it hurts. It pains me even to see your hands. Hit the snooze button, hit the snooze. If that snooze button wasn't there, it would probably force you to like get up the first time. How many guys are one time? You need one alarm and generally you get up. All right. All right. And then here, here we're going to see who the elite are in here this morning. Who gets up naturally? You just wake up. It's a blessing. God has given you something. Now that's the way I prefer to wake up. I love, I love being on vacation and it's like, you just, I don't know what time is it. I don't even know what time it is. I don't care what time it is. You know, the sun's coming. You just wake up to the sun. Isn't that, isn't that just peaceful? Even the thought of that, just great. Rather than the harsh sound of an alarm or you people like snooze, snooze, snooze. How many guys hit the snooze five times or more in the morning? Okay, so you got a few people in here just live their lives exhausted. Ah, but these alarms, e- either way, I think most of us need alarms. I was... Um, participating, teaching a Bible study this last week at Fun and Freedom Day Camp. And if you've been coming to Riverside for a little bit of time, you hear us talk about this every year. And uh, it's a day camp run by uh, Dave and Janine McCutcheon and their family. They go to Riverside. And uh, we're so thankful for them. They have an incredible ministry in Springdale. It's a sports day camp. Yeah, you give it up for Dave and Janine. And so a whole bunch of you are involved in helping with that. And... uh, so the day camp was this last week, and, and just a side note, again, you clap for them. Man, Dave and Janine, it's such a blessing to have them and their family in the church and the leadership that they provide to minister to the community in the way they do. It's just, it's a blessing for the church to be connected to that. For all of you who helped out with the day camp, thank you so much for being a part of that. Uh, it's cool that I got to be a part of it and teach the Bible study. And one of the things that uh, we were talking about uh, during the Bible study, and I asked the students who were gathered around, I said, okay, here's the would you rather. So you guys can think about this too. Would you rather get up to an air horn every day for the rest of your life? You have to wake up to the sound of an air horn. So you can't be awake. It has to, that is your waking sound. Would you rather get up to an air horn in your room every day or never have any assistance by any means of getting up ever again in your life? No one's helping you, no alarms, no anything. So think about that for a second. Would you rather have no help getting up for the rest of your life? You can't rely on anything except for just waking up naturally. Or would you rather wake up to an air horn every single day for the rest of your life? You had to pick one of those two. Think about that for a second. How many of you guys would be afraid of missing your life so badly that you would choose the air horn every day because you just, you just can't sleep through life? Okay, you'd be worried about that. I thought there'd be a few more. How many guys, no air horn, you would rather have no assistance waking up for the rest of your life? I wonder how long that would last. I wonder when you'd be begging for the air horn. The job interview, the big, like, man, okay, I'll take the air horn. I need to get up. Listen, I would rather just wake up naturally, almost whatever the consequence, rather than wake up to an air horn every morning. Most of the kids chose no air horn. The younger kids said, I, I, don't, I, I don't want anything. I just want to wake up naturally. The older kids, you know? The ones who know, they've seen themselves sleep through things before. They're like, I'll take the air horn every day because they don't want to sleep through their lives. And the truth is we don't want to sleep through our lives. These alarms are important to us because for whatever reason, we feel that there is a need to be awake. 
We know, we love sleeping in, we love enjoying ourselves, we love waking up naturally, we love having rest days, but the reason alarms and snoozes, the curse of snooze, are such a big deal to us, because we do not want to sleep through our life. There's this idea inside of us that we need to be awake. We don't want to sleep through our story. There's something happening, there's something we need to do. There's stuff we were meant to do, destined to do, stuff, responsibilities we have, and so we feel like I have to be awake for this. I can't sleep through what's most important to me. So the question this morning is, are you awake and living your best story? Are you awake and living your best story? We're going to start out talking about uh, Peter specifically. And you can read about Peter in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would encourage you to do that because we see a ton of his, his, the beginning of his story in those books of the Bible in the New Testament. And I encourage you to, to check those out. But Acts, in, in, in large part, is about Peter's story as well and how God used him. And so if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're going to see this guy is pretty, pretty much like us. You know, everyday, average, working guy just trying to get by and do what he's supposed to do and trying to serve God and follow God, um, but just living his daily life the best he could, providing for his family. And Jesus comes along and asks Peter to do something different. And you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There are some stumbles there. I think Peter's a pretty awesome guy. I think sometimes he gets a bad rap, um, but he's like any of us. You know, he struggled to, to follow Jesus and he had mistakes along the way, but I think he stepped up. Jesus kind of gave him a lot of responsibility. He ended up walking very closely with Jesus. He was one of the the three disciples that were the closest to Jesus. He got to see a lot of awesome stuff. And Jesus put a lot of responsibility on him. And him hanging out and being real close to Jesus, he saw some things and then was kind of invited and commissioned and given the responsibility to step up and, and, and be a leader. And, and, and be an awesome part of what Jesus was wanting to do. So Acts in, in, is a continuation of some of the things that, that happened to Peter. And we're going to see more of, of his growth and, and uh, look at Acts chapter 1 a little bit and chapter 2 a little bit this morning. Um, because Peter had a choice just like we do. He could have slept through his story. Or he could have been fully awake and embraced what God wants to do. Now when I say sleep through our story... I don't mean totally asleep. And you would say, well, I would never do that. I'm doing something. There is a version of being asleep, I think, that is just living a default life. Just going through the motions, doing what the culture expects us, expects us to do. Not, 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 maybe, maybe living the easy life is the wrong way to put it, but it's living a story. And that's the best way I can think to describe it. It's contrasting living a story with your best story. So Peter had a choice when he met Jesus. He could stay in a story or he could step forward into his best story that Jesus was offering him. And we're all faced with that choice. And I think sometimes being asleep means that we're sleeping through our best story and we are choosing to live a story. Whatever whatever that looks like. Maybe it's just the default story that life hands us. When God's saying, I have something better for you. So the book of Acts is written by a guy named Luke. He's a meticulous historian and he records a lot of details. And I think you can pay attention to those details. We can learn a lot from the book of Acts about a lot of things, about the Holy Spirit, about the church, about God, about uh, all that God wants to do. And so Luke spent a lot of time hanging out with a guy named Paul, who was another uh, essential leader in the New Testament and the formation of the early church. And so a lot of the stuff that, that Luke writes, he's getting firsthand accounts from Paul and from the other disciples and apostles that he got to hang out with. 
And so we have this record of, of the birth of the early church and what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. So let's look at Acts chapter 1. And what I want to do is I'm just going to pull a few snippets out of Acts chapter 1 and 2 to give us an idea of, of what Peter chose to do in this choice of staying asleep and living a story or choosing through a series of alarms, snoozes, uh, to wake up and live the best story that Jesus wanted him to live. I think we can glean some things from this. Now, when I use the term wake up this morning, there are two ways that you can interpret that depending on how much sleep you had last night or the kind of week you've been having. When someone says wake up, you can either interpret that as like, oh, that's kind of aggressive and rude, or you could, you could be inspired by it. Like, hey, don't sleep. Like, wake up to this awesome new day. So I don't know if you're a glass half empty person. Maybe you'd be offended for the next few minutes. If, if you're kind of like, hey, it's a sunshiny day. It's not been a sunshiny day recently here. Um, but, but I want you to interpret it in a positive way. When I say wake up, and we use the term wake up, it's an invitation. It's supposed to be inspirational. It's supposed to be an encouragement to all of us to wake up to the awesome story that God has for us. So don't hear that in the, hey, wake up like your parents are like smacking you. It's like, you know, noon and you're still sleeping. Don't take it that way. Um, and by the way, you know, I just a little, little shout out for all the teenagers in here. I, I did hear, and you can do your own research on this, that students do need more sleep, I think, just scientifically speaking. I think they need between like nine and 10 hours of sleep. <laughs> Some of you guys, Bob's like, no, that's not true. Hey, you do your own research. Us old people, I think we just don't need as much sleep, and I think we just get mad because we can't sleep. And uh, <laughs> they can sleep till two, and we're like, man, you're not sleeping, because I can't even sleep when I'm supposed to sleep. Um, so anyway, Acts chapter one, just a little, little fun there. Acts chapter one, verse four. Jesus had a specific plan for his disciples. Before he leaves earth and before he um, goes back to the Father, he says, on one occasion, Acts 1-4, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says he gave them the command. Now what that tells me is that Jesus really wanted them to do that. This wasn't a suggestion. He really wanted them to follow these instructions because he knew how important it would be for them to be in that place and in that time to receive what he wanted them to have, to do what he was calling them to do. Now this is something that they didn't understand. They had never had an experience with the Holy Spirit. They really didn't know what was coming. They were very overwhelmed. Their heads were spinning. A lot had been going on. Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead. They're still processing all of that. And then he's like, hey, you need to go back to Jerusalem and hang out and wait for a gift I'm going to send you. It's hard to put ourselves in their place. But again, a choice. What were their choices? Go back to the life I knew, a story. Kind of latch on to some stability because things had not been stable. I can choose to, well, Jesus says wait, but I'm not really the waiting type, not an exciting command. So I'm just going to rush out and do what I need to do. I'm going to go and, and just attack this plan that God has for me. And, and Jesus said, wait, but you know, I, I got this. So there's some different options that they had. And all of us have the same option. When we're confronted with what Jesus wants us to do, what our next step is, what it seems like we should be doing to follow him and it will lead us into our best story, we're all faced with a choice. 
Do we follow the instructions of Jesus? Do we go by the leading of God as it comes through his word and, and, the, and the godly people around us and as he speaks to us personally? Do we follow those instructions? Or do we do what we think is best or what is easiest and less intimidating? So they had a choice at this point. He didn't make them go and do that. He said, this is what you should do. And Peter, along, not just Peter, but all the, the followers there, Acts one twelve, we see, look what they do. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Then they arrived. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. See, well, that's not very profound. That's like simple. Like, you know, he, they just, he said, go back to Jerusalem and they went. Why is that such a big deal? You know, sometimes following Jesus in the very simplest ways that we know we should are what lead us to the greatest moments of our lives and what lead us to the greatest breakthroughs and how he's going to use us and how he's going to work inside of us. And I think it's easy to overlook that. We're always looking for something flashy, something big, something dramatic to solve our problem or to give us inspiration. And sometimes doing the basic things, following God in the basic things that we know is the gateway to the greatest story that he has for us. And I, I think I can say at least that's where it starts. For myself and most people I meet, that's where we really all need to start. But it's so simple and so basic that sometimes it just doesn't make any sense to us. Following those simple instructions of Jesus, Peter did it. It's one thing at a time. Another thing that trips us up a lot of times is we want the why. He says, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Well, tell us what's going to happen. Tell us exactly. We want to know the next five years of our lives. If I go do this, then what? And God just doesn't operate that way most of the time, at least from my experience. He tells us to do one thing at a time. He leads us one direction at a time, one place at a time. And as we follow him step by step, day by day, doing the simple, faithful, basic things, that's where he leads us to the big story that's the best story that he has for us. And they did it. They did what Jesus told them to do. It's simple. It's basic. It's beautiful. But that was the first step in them living a page-turner life. At that point, they probably didn't think they would end up being in this huge adventure that took all these twists and turns. But they did the first thing that was in front of them the simplest thing that was in front of them. So my encouragement is to all of us, wake up to what Jesus is telling you to do. Wake up to what he's telling you to do. Like the sun shining through the window in the morning. And for some of us, sometimes it is the alarm clock. Sometimes we get the beep, 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 where it feels like we're being confronted with what Jesus wants to do. For some, some of us, it's more gentle. It depends on our stage of life. It depends on our situation, whether it's the alarm, whether it's the snooze. But for all of us, there's a next step. There's always a next step. There's always a next chapter in doing what God wants us to do. So I wonder, how awake are you to what Jesus is calling you to do, to the next step that he's leading you into? Maybe it's a hard step. Maybe it's an easy step. Maybe, maybe it's a weight thing where you're like, this is not exciting. I want something more exciting. I don't know what that is for you. What is the next step? to you being awake to the instructions of Jesus. Because following Jesus will always lead you to your best story. Following what other people want us to do, taking the easy path, will always lead to a story. 
Can God work with that at any point? He can always turn us around and get us back on track. But the best thing for us to do is seek what Jesus is telling us to do. Well, how do we do that? He's given us his word. So we talk about it every Sunday. That's why it's the centerpiece of our church and community life. He's given you people around you that can help you with that, that you can process things with. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to help us. Wake up to what Jesus is telling you to do. I love Acts 1.15. This is another huge piece, and it's so, so small. Not even the whole verse jumped out to me. I love this about Peter. He not only did what Jesus told him to do and went back to Jerusalem and waited, but Acts 1.15, it says, In those days, when they got back to Jerusalem, Peter stood up among the believers. That verse has been ringing in my head. He stood up among the believers. You know what that says to me? It says to me that what all the stuff that Jesus had been trying to get Peter to do, he had shown him all of these things. He had poured so much into him. He had said, Peter, you're going to be the rock. He said, Peter, uh, feed my sheep and, and go and do the work that I want you to do. Jesus had invested, encouraged, and challenged Peter so much. Acts 115 is beautiful to me because it shows that Peter responded to it positively. After all that investment that Jesus made, after all that calling, after all that encouraging, after all that reprimanding and challenging him sometimes, it says that Peter stood up among the believers. Jesus was was giving Peter a role that he wanted him to play. He was giving him a responsibility to his people, to the believers, to to the group that Jesus had invested everything into. And it says that Peter stood up among them. It means that Peter accepted the responsibility that Jesus gave him. And that's a huge part of our story. There comes a point in time when knowing is just not what it's about. It's about actually saying, Jesus, yes, I feel like you're giving me this role and this responsibility in your kingdom, among your people, in your church, in my spiritual community, in the kingdom of God, and I'm looking at you and saying, yes, I will do that. And to take it a step further, here's me doing that. I'm going to step up. I'm going to own this. I don't even understand it all. I'm not sure where all this is going. I don't have all the answers. I don't feel totally equipped. I've failed a bunch of times, but I'm going to stand up and I'm going to own my responsibility. I'm going to play my part in the kingdom of God. I'm going to own the role that you died to give me. I think it's beautiful because that led to Peter's best story. He stood up among the believers, and if you read what he said, he was encouraging them. He was like reminding them of what happened and, and kind of like you know, keeping the group together, encouraging, inspiring, keeping on the same page, and, and they all stayed and worshiped together. And the thing that I think that's beautiful for all of us to get is that we should wake up to our role in God's kingdom. We all have a role to play. We all have a responsibility. Every single one of us has something we can do in the spiritual community, in, in God's kingdom, gifts that he's given us. And you guys hear this. If you come to church on Sunday mornings and you're in small groups, you hear this all the time. But are we doing it? Are we owning the... God, I take responsibility. This isn't your church only, and this isn't their church. This is my church. These are my people. This is my job and my responsibility. I'm going to take pride in this. I'm going to invest my time in this. I'm going to step up. And I, no matter what anyone else is doing... I'm going to do what you've called me to do and what you've gifted and given me the responsibility for. I love that. And you know what? I can't help but wonder is what if we all did that? Sometimes churches have a reputation of being like, oh, there's just a few people that really do all the work. It wouldn't be like that if every single one of us was asking, what's my role? What's my responsibility? What are my gifts? And I'm going to step up and I'm going to do those things. Not for anyone else, but because of Jesus. Because he called me and he gifted me and he died for me and I'm going to own this and jump into it. 
And because Peter stood up and plays that role, we're all sitting here. We're here today enjoying the fruits of the labors of those who sacrificed so that we could be in here. So what's your role? What responsibility has Jesus given you? And what's the next step for you being in that role? And again, even for the young among us, for teenagers that are sitting here, college students, you don't have to wait. There's a role now. There's a responsibility now in your community, in your church, in the wider kingdom of God. Ask the question, what's my role? And be willing to dive into it, even, when you, even if you don't feel totally prepared. Acts chapter 2, fast forwarding a little bit more. So they're waiting and they're worshiping and, and Peter's trying to dig in and help them stay connected and focused. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the crazy worship service gets out of control. It's a little rowdy. It was probably louder than they would have hoped that it would be. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Boy, there's an there's a intimidating worship service for you. You know, you think some of them were like, this is uncomfortable. I think I'd rather leave right now. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's like, what in the world's going on in here right now? I did not sign up for this. Jesus said, wait, thought we were going to have a little worship service. And he was going to tell us what to do. This is way more than I bargained for. And a lot of times it is. I think we can close ourselves off to all the supernatural stuff for that very reason. It just freaks us out. Especially in Northeastern culture in the United States. This stuff really freaks us out. Saying like, this, this kind of stuff still happens. I don't think the Holy Spirit's changed much. And God hasn't changed much. He shows up and he was just letting know he was there. That's all, not a big deal. He was just like, hey guys, this is me. This is what you were waiting for. So he makes a very dramatic entrance. And, and, and really, I always think of it as the Holy Spirit just like pounds them. He smacks them with this power and, and fills the room and overwhelms them. Overwhelms them with a great church experience. So they could walk away being like, oh, church was great today. Is that what this was about? No, Jesus said, wait for the gift that I'm going to give you so you can go do what I want you to do. So this was the spirit really like, I don't know, like jolting them with electricity really is what it was. So it was spirit empowerment. It was the spirit showing up to give them what they didn't have. Wake up to spirit empowerment. Don't let your, your Western mind or your, or your fear of the future or whatever it is that holds you back from seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't let those things hold you back. They said to God, we're open. Fill us. Use us. Whatever it takes. We're here. We're waiting for you. They're praying. They're seeking God. We want to be used for what you want us to do. And because of that openness of their heart and mind, the Holy Spirit came in and zapped them and did so very dramatically. And it changed their lives forever. If you read the whole, there, there was a huge difference between the followers of Jesus before this, this whole crazy experience and, and what happened afterwards, a massive difference. And the difference was they had a power and a boldness to go out and to live for God and do ministry and speak in his name and do whatever it took to get the message of Jesus out, accompanied by miracles and power and awesome things happening that they never would have had before if they hadn't been open to spirit empowerment. Accepting the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life to give you power will lead to your best story. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's a story. Or it's a story lived in our own power. But when you say, Holy Spirit, fill me, and I don't care if you want to grow purple antenna out of my forehead, or like, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever that looks like, dude, just do it. I know I'm not going to get it, I don't understand everything you understand, but I'm not going to be afraid of it. Because I want to live the life that you've 
called me to live. And I believe that everyone who calls on God to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit to go and live a powerful life, I believe he will answer that prayer. Now, I think that sometimes we sit around kind of not doing what God wants, not following the instructions of Jesus and hoping he'll bless us with some good feelings. And I don't think that's what this is about. It's for the heart that says, I want to serve. I want to be part of this thing. I want to do something for you. And when God looks at people who are willing to step out in his name and do something exciting and do something beyond their own ability, there's a reason to give them the Holy Spirit. And I think that's why he does. Wake up to spirit empowerment. So have you received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to seek that and ask God for it. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. This is after the Holy Spirit empowerment. There's the difference in Peter. This is the guy who who was scared in the garden and pulled out his sword, didn't know what to do, cut off the servant's ear. This is the guy who denied Jesus three times, wasn't sure what to do. Look at him now. Acts 2.14. This isn't among the believers. This is like the crowds that can be angry. Acts 2.14. Then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, And all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And then you can read the rest. The rest is Peter's sermon to everyone that was around there going, you guys are nuts. Because you're crazy. What's going on over here? And Peter gets up by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not a preacher. He's a fisherman. He's not educated. He's hung out with Jesus. And he preaches this message that basically reveals who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And invites that whole crowd to respond. And he was not confusing. He was very clear. He was even, some might say, a little bit aggressive. He stepped up and delivered the message that God wanted him to deliver. Did he do that because it was Peter and a story and just kind of what he was defaulting to? No, this was because he had done everything we've talked about up to this point. He chose to answer every alarm that went off in his life. And it led to this point where he stands up. And this is, I think, where God's leading all of us to. He stands up and delivers the message of God. That's what God wants to do with our lives. He wants our lives to be this message that is projected to the world. And it's a series of alarms and a series of steps, pages turned, that will lead us to that point. But this is where it goes and look at, look at verse 41. If you skip ahead to Acts 2, 41 and 42, this is what it led to. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Help someone else to wake up. That's God's goal for all of us. Truly, when we are awake, when we are following his instructions, when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when we live the page-turning life, the best story that God has for us, this is what it's going to look like. Our lives leading someone else into the truth of who God is. Someone else receiving his mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness, his love. Someone else in heaven. Because we said, God, I'm going to live the best story. I'm not just going to live a story. I trust you more. I want to live the story that you have for me. And when we do that, other people come to Jesus. That's the best story that we can possibly live. How are you stepping out? Maybe you'd sit here and say, yes, I've been following the instructions of Jesus. Yes, I'm trying to own my role and responsibility. Yes, I believe the Holy Spirit's filling me. How are you stepping out? 
How are you serving? How are you trying to get the message out to the world? Who are you ministering to? And how are you endeavoring to be used by God, not, not just inside the church, but outside the walls where people really need to know who Jesus is, see what his love looks like? How are you stepping out? And how can you take your next step to stepping out? Wake up to your best story. That's God's dream for you. That's what he wants for you. That's why he died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross so that we could be asleep. Fortunately, Jesus didn't sleep through any alarms when he was here. He is all of this as a model and example to us. And because he lived his best story, because he did what God put him on planet earth to do, we even have the option of waking up in general. Because Jesus died to wake us up from the slumber of brokenness, darkness, selfishness, sin, this finite human existence that really means nothing without him. Jesus died on the cross to break that power over us. Because the truth is, without Jesus on the cross, without, without him doing what he did, without him rising from the dead, the alarm would be going off and we wouldn't be able to wake up. He has risen from the grave. And he's given us the opportunity to raise from the grave of a dead life and live something profound and awesome. No one wants to sleep through their best story. It starts, for some of you, if you're here for the first time or maybe even coming to church, for whatever reason, you have not really embraced Jesus. You've not really hit the alarm and said, okay, I'm waking up. The first step for you is to say, Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross for me. I'm going to step forward and accept you as my leader and trust that you have a better story for me than I have for myself. And you can do that this morning in your chair just by talking to him directly. That's why we exist. That's why we're here on a Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. Which alarm is going off in your life right now? As you sit here this morning, which alarm's going off? Is it the follow the instructions of Jesus alarm? You know what you're supposed to do. You feel like he's kind of been leading you and guiding you, but you're kind of stuck on that point. Maybe you're here and the alarm that's going off is own your role. Take responsibility. Step up and serve. Be a part of this kingdom. Maybe you're here this morning. The alarm that's going off is I have a gift for you. I have the Holy Spirit for you. Are you going to accept it? Are you going to let me fill you with power so that you can live the life I died for you to live? Maybe you're here this morning and the alarm going off for you is there are people around you that need this love of God and you're seeing it and you're contemplating whether to step up and allow yourself to be used to reach your world for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Which alarm is going off in your life? Have you been hearing God calling your name and you've been resisting for years? Maybe you're here and you haven't been resisting for years. You're like contemplating, should I follow Jesus or not? It's the difference between a story and your best story. Will you wake up to your best story? What's the Spirit telling you this morning? What's the Holy Spirit nudging your heart on? What's he whispering to you? What's he been talking to you about this week and this month? Where is he trying to take you? Who are you talking to about this stuff? 
Are you keeping your spiritual life so private that you're really not able to get the good feedback from other followers of Jesus that's, that's going to help you move forward, that will help you be what God wants you to be? Who can you talk to? Who can you grab coffee with? Who can you open up to and be a little vulnerable with about this stuff? Express some of your fears, doubts, concerns, and let them help you with that. What's the next step for you this morning? God, I pray for those who are gathered here that, that are contemplating stepping out and just accepting you into their lives. I pray they would have the courage and, and feel the comfort that they would start to feel the sunlight of your presence breaking through their windows, pulling them into the warmth of a life lived in relationship with you. I pray they would wake up to that this morning, to a risen Savior, to a creator God that loves them, and that they would be willing to trust you with their lives. And as they do that, they would be gifted with your presence. They would see your truth for what it is and be beckoned into living their best story that you died on the cross to buy us that you created for us to live for those who are here this morning and maybe their prayer is God forgive me because I've been ignoring these alarms I've been living a story and I haven't been waking up to the story you have for me forgive me God I want to start brand new God for those who pray that prayer this morning who need to ask forgiveness for ignoring some of the alarms that you put in their lives I pray that this would be a new beginning starting with forgiveness and moving forward into a better story. God, I pray for those in here who are honestly and earnestly seeking you. And maybe they're growing weary. Maybe they're, they're hitting some hard times. Maybe they've run into some roadblocks. Maybe the waiting has grown difficult for them. I pray you would give them the strength to follow your instructions, the strength to wait, the strength to hold on, the strength to stay in their role, even though it's a hard role, a difficult role. Maybe they feel alone. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would give empowerment and strength to all of your followers who would ask for it this morning to do whatever you're calling them to do. Breathe new life into your people this morning. I pray that because they were in this room this morning, they would be encouraged and inspired and filled up again by you to go out into this world that can be so dark and confusing and broken that they would have the strength and the light to go out and shine for another week, another month, another year. Give your people strength in the name of Jesus. We love you. We're here to receive from you. We're here to follow you. We're here to, to submit to you, to trust you, to do what you say. Use us not just as individuals, but I pray, God, that this church, our church, would not be asleep, that we would be awake to the role that you want us to play in this community, in this city. Help us not to grow weary. Help us not to give up. Help us never to run out of ideas, but to always be excited and ready for the next day of following you and being your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.